Cadillac and pot titty twisters. Oh my god, we're starting it like that? <laughs> wow, what a great podcast. And cut, week. done. Yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> well, what? What just happened? <laughs> so I just got flashbanged by the opening to our podcast. That's what happened. I blame Doug completely. Well, that's that was... fair. I'm the one who did that all by myself. So, <laughs> welcome to the XFL Show 2.0 uh, of XFL 3.0. <laughs> You're not wrong. Our recap of all the games that took place over the last weekend. And the reason it didn't happen yesterday is because Tug and I were exhausted and Ben was missing until like 8.25 and we were supposed to go live at 8.30. So <laughs> that was cool. Uh, but we're here now. <laughs> Look, <laughs> for real. Had a very long couple of days. Were they a good couple back. days though? Those couple of days uh, didn't. Some of them were. Yeah. Yeah, I meant I meant the most recent couple, not <laughs> not the weekend. Right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast this is. We're off to such a fire start. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we have four games to talk about, and. Uh, Hold on, before we get into it, can I make a joke? Just <laughs> That's permission to make a joke this... on this podcast. Oh. Let's be real. Look, this show's rolling like trains in Ohio off the rails. Mm. Mm. Damn. Damn, Call guys. More folks southern because you crash and burn. God damn. Going over like a lead balloon in here. What's worse, a lead balloon or a fart in church? It depends what you're at church for. That's fair. It's just a normal Sunday. Who cares? I mean, but if it's a Saturday baptism, you got to have football on, right? I yeah, right, Dave? <laughs> yep, that's the real thing that happened, and now our audience knows about that. Went to a baptism of one of Bug's children and was watching football the whole time on my phone. <laughs> the entire time. So, Do you know what you weren't watching? You weren't watching the XFL because it wasn't back I yet. Know. And it wasn't Thursday it, night, which the XFL, who oh plays on God. Saturday and Sunday, decided hey, let's have two of these teams that played on Sunday play on Thursday because that's player that's safety. Exactly. But, but let's and only do it one worst, week. They put their worst announcers on it. And they over-explained everything. And it was... I personally like Sam Macho's commentary. Sam Macho was fine. The other dude sucked. Testicles. <laughs> okay. Let's let's be clear about this. He was choking down some scrotes the whole night. God damn. <laughs> here's, here's the real question. All right. Okay. Now we got so, some big ones. If you're if you're watching live, or Thank if you, you watch the games this week, you already know what the final score of this game was. But if you're a listener, just yeah. like we did last week, we're gonna make you wait a little bit longer. Uh, trip tease you with this game. I didn't I didn't watch this game. I didn't watch any of these games live this week. I was either in Chicago or driving to Chicago, like was the case with this game. 
and there's and, no NFL uh, team based in Chicago, so you could unfortunately. Uh, and I completely missed this one, but this was the first game back in Seattle. It was at Lumen Field. Uh, again, same home as what they had last time. I got to know, was Broccoli Guy there? I did not see Broccoli Guy. I didn't either. That's sad. Um, it's very sad. But, yeah, hey, was... like you said, you weren't able to catch this one. I caught it on the replay on ESPN. Um, and that's a whole other beast we will get into later because talk <sighs> about lazy problems. Um, but one thing became clear to me. Uh, well, really two things, but the first thing that became clear to me throughout this game is that St. Louis is definitely going to live and die by the comeback. Uh, the score, generally speaking, looks like it was even across the board, but these teams were streaky. Um, Seattle jumped out to a 12 nothing lead. Uh, St. Louis comes back, scores eight, then another three to start the half and then just back and forth in the fourth quarter. Uh, streaky with two possession scores constantly. Yeah, and then at the same time, he basically had two game-winning drives, if you will. Yes. Uh, A.J. McCarron didn't do what he did. That last drive by Seattle was sensational, and Ben DiNucci looked phenomenal. I actually assumed Ben DiNucci was going to be my player of the game. And then A.J. McCarron did what he did, on that last drive, you see 41 yards rushing. He led the team in rushing. And, and most of that came yards drive. was yeah. on the last drive, which ended as game the time expired. Game-winning field goal. Austin Prohl, yet again, clutch-ass catches down the field. Dude is, dude is dude, nuts. I, I, I have it in the notes here. I'm going to start calling him Mr. Clutch of the XFL. Because he seems to be quiet for like eighty percent of the game, and then when Seattle decides, yeah, exactly. Fourth quarter, Seattle, uh, St. Louis is like, you know what? It's time to come back now. Let's start targeting what should be our top receiver. And all of a sudden, Austin Prohl's out there making making plays all over the field, catches when he needs to, getting big first downs. Uh, absolutely nuts. Uh, See, and the difference here is where St. Louis makes big plays on offense when they need to, to to mount the comeback, Seattle cannot make the plays defensively to seal the win. And that's really the big issue right now and why they're over to. Yeah, it's happened twice now. But also, this is a very pass-heavy Seattle team where, I mean, I said last week, Seattle and D.C. was probably the two biggest stylistic differences we're ever going to see. Now we have two weeks of data. That's becoming more and more true. Three of the top five rushers in the league play for D.C. And to the top two receivers in the league play for Seattle. This is – it's wild. And neither of those top two guys are Josh Gordon, by the way. So it's it, – Seattle is very pass heavy. And we saw that work a couple of times. But if you get out of rhythm slightly – which happens because these offensive lines are still pretty rough, like across the board. It just happens that you're going to get out of rhythm at some point, and we saw that, and Ben DiNucci couldn't continue that momentum. The entire third quarter, they got they just got demolished. They couldn't move the ball at all. 
And then the fourth quarter comes around. They have one singular drive the entire half, which did give them the lead again because the first half was great and they were able to throw the ball around. But they got out of rhythm and it really messed them up. So it's it's tough to be a passing team only in this league. I think Seattle needs to figure out a way to move the ball on the ground. They haven't really done that just yet. And St. Louis is a much more balanced team, crazily enough, because A.J. McCarron is actually pretty decent at running the ball, and I never thought I would say that. Yeah, that's A.J. McCarron. No, I, I, I'm with you on that, and, and you're right. The crazy thing about Josh Gordon also not being in the top two wide receivers is because all the teams are double covering him. Right. So Seattle's coming around, and they're like, fine, we'll just target our other wide receivers. Uh and Ben DiNucci is near the top in the league somehow with passing percentage. Uh, he is first in the league in yards and second in the league in completion percentage. Like, Ben DiNucci has been playing very well. Yes, exactly. The issue with the defense and the run game. Yep. Nope, I agree completely. I think, I think Seattle is a top half of the league team in terms of talent, but they are 0-2 now. So it becomes very difficult to – that was gonna be that was gonna be my next big point here, and I was having this conversation with with Bug over the weekend. Is Seattle's record doesn't really show how good of a team they are. To me, there's a clear top four. Uh, Doug, I know you were you had some power rankings at the bottom. I actually ultimately agree with your power rankings entirely. Um, cool. And uh, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> and, we'll get to those later. Yeah, and and for me, Seattle is a one of those top four teams they're playing well they just drew two of the other top four teams right to start the season they, a bad schedule draw that's what it feels like and they were both extremely close games they were both yep. within a field goal so it's seattle is a good team it's just uh this is a bad time to be one-dimensional when you Correct. don't have the offensive lines figured out yep so well and i think it's interesting that the defense was kind of something that plagued seattle uh, in XFL 2.0 as well. And it just, obviously there's a lot of different guys making decisions for these teams right now too, but it's interesting to me that it's kind of the same thing coming back to bite them in the ass again this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly fair. I mean, it's completely different people, but. Well, I, well right, but it's it's weird that it's the exact same issues they're having. Their offense is definitely better this time around than last time. Uh, but it's, it, nothing's really Nothing seems to be falling their way, and it seemed like that was the case for them a lot in XFL 2.0 as well. Another, another point about Seattle, it's the first time we've been able to see their home uniforms. That orange hits. All right, got to say. I did. Like a professional version, which it should. Obviously, it's a pro team, but this looks like a professional, legitimate, good attempt at orange and green, unlike Florida A&M, which is like, haphazard orange and green. This yep. is like what Florida A&M wishes they could look like. <laughs> and it's it's pretty nice. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty drippy. Gotta say. Seattle's <laughs> in their bag on that one. <laughs> Before I get into our players of the game here, though, um, one big note out of this is for anybody who said St. Louis wasn't ready for football again, if anybody said that, they were wrong anyway. And St. Louis is proving that they're going to be opening the 300 level in St. Louis uh, for this upcoming weekend for their for their next home game. 
Yeah, because well, it's not it's not this weekend. It's in two oh. weeks actually. Okay, they're on the road again. Yeah, yeah, and then they get at least back to back home games, if not a third. Uh, Doug and I'll actually be at the second of those two home games. By the way, if you want to come yes, find sir. us, nice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a thing that'll happen. <laughs> Go back to these players of the game, though, because we did give AJ McCarron offensive player of the game. Kind of talked about that a little bit already. That's Second week in a row for him. That comeback drive, wild, insane, and, and I was gonna say, and it was all him on that comeback drive. He had two what ten and thirteen yard runs respectively, eleven like, and twelve. You were wrong yeah. both times. I was close. <laughs> I mean, the number added up. <laughs> And I was off by a yard. He had, he had 23 yards rushing and 20 yards passing on that drive to set them up in field goal range. And that was crazy. Uh, no interceptions for him. He did have a fumble, but it seems like half the league fumbled at least once this week. But so no, we'll, we'll talk about some fumbles later. Holy <laughs> shit. But nobody and had a forced fumble. That's right, because right, we don't we don't track that kind of stat around here. What do you think this is? Professional football? Get <laughs> out of here. And then defensive player of the game, linebacker, Willie Harvey, Seattle. Should I should I do it? Um I don't know what you're going to do. Dragons. Saw Willie Harvey dragging his nuts on her face. God damn it. <laughs> Everywhere, tackling everybody. Beautiful. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. God damn it. Oh, that's the best thing I've heard in a while. All right. I did have the honorable mention for this game, too, again, being Austin Prohl. I think he had that at least one of the receptions on a fourth down conversion on that final drive uh, to set them up for that, that field goal. So again, he doesn't make a lot of plays, but he makes them when he counts. It was a fourth down too. Austin Cole was that dude for real. Stone cold. All right, let's move on to the second game of the weekend. And like I said, I I didn't watch either of these first two games. I went back. I only had time to watch the Sunday games, uh, and part of that was done today. So it worked out we didn't go last night. I will say before I let you guys kind of take it over here, um, I don't know if you all are familiar with NFHS uh, broadcasts for high school sports, but I've seen better production from those events. Now, yeah. granted, I'm sure – uh, the the film crew was not expecting to have to deal with the rain that was constantly on the lenses in the desert. Uh, so I'll give them I'll give them that a little bit. Uh, but there were a there were a lot of field issues. I mean, I saw I saw pictures on Twitter, and that's what convinced me to be like, okay, let me at least pop in and watch a couple minutes of this. The field looked bad. Uh, Football can work in baseball stadiums, but not the way the dimensions of that field, the way they had it uh, had it oriented. You had no clue if there were fans there or not. And apparently, they they were pretty full. They were well over half full, almost three quarters full for this game. But from everything I've seen, you wouldn't have known it by watching the game. Yeah, I don't think what you're saying is entirely fair, even though it is mostly 
Wellesley Fair. So let's lay this out a little bit better. This is both a rodeo and football stadium. Wild combination. It is downtown Las Vegas. It is very small. They had, basically it was like an observation tower, just haphazardly constructed for the announcers. Yep. Because <laughs> think it's like a high, Yeah, think like a high school football stadium. Right. So, they have played football there before, professional football there before. Actually, the Oilers had a game there in the 60s. So, it's not like this is a new thing for the stadium. It's been around a while, and they kind of know how to do it. But it's a rodeo arena. So, there's a pretty solid layer of dirt there, and you could definitely see it through the grass. Uh, it is still a desert, so it's kind of a weird sod situation, and it kind of looked like a desert. The rain affected things a lot, but other than the two kickers, nobody slipped. I think the kickers are just sus because nobody else slipped at all. The I was watching for it, and the announcers even said it at one point. It's really, nobody's really slipping. And then the other guy was like, well, except for the kickers. And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, nobody else is slipping. What's up with that? Kickers really aren't real people, so it's okay. Exactly. Right. I don't even know why he said except for the kickers, because they, they shouldn't count. They don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, especially... Uh, Especially in the XFL, where you're not doing PATs. Like, you might kick a field goal or, field goal or two. You, well, you have you to kick off. You miss but... a field goal if you're one of these guys. Sheesh. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, I really think the field was fine. It was much better playing surface than it looked on the broadcast. And I think it was just set up poorly from, like, a, a broadcast perspective. But I don't think it was actually a poor field. Uh, I don't think it's designed with TV cameras in mind, which changes things. And if they could, if they could have gotten into the Roomba, this would be a totally different conversation uh, with just that first level, even like just fill that bottom level, like St. Louis is trying to do. Uh, maybe they would have sold out there and maybe this would be a completely, completely different conversation in general, but I actually think that field was fine. And I think it looks cool. As far as, let's get a real picture of what Vegas is like. Let's not play inside every time we go to Vegas for every sporting event ever because we nobody can handle being outdoors in Vegas for 20 seconds without dying of heat stroke. Let's, let's show what Vegas is like. Accurate. Especially now when we're in February, let's, let's play in Vegas. And it, I think that was actually, it was actually kind of cool. And I hate that it was maligned so much because I think the playing surface actually held up very well. See, here's my thing, though. Isn't Bishop Gorman in Vegas? Yes. It's turf. I, that, is the XFL required to be grass? I don't know. I'll very clearly no because they're playing indoors. They're playing so, at the Dome in St. Louis. So that that's my point is that probably would have been my first call if I'm the XFL because that's going to be a decent-sized stadium. They're yeah, hooked they up for international broadcasts too. Yeah, exactly. Either that, or I bet once UNLV gets their stadium done, I'm sure that's where they're going to be. Yeah, 
Is the old stadium just completely gone? I, yeah, I think it is. I think they're building on that site. Which is why UNLV is playing at Allegiant right now. Correct. Yeah, I knew they were playing at Allegiant. I thought they were just leaving Sam Boyd in general. I thought they got a new stadium. Deal. I know. They, I, they so Sam did. Boyd closed in 2020, in December yeah. of 2020. Right. It was like as soon as Allegiant opened, they shut that sucker down. They were like, get us out of this. Apparently, they are just playing at Allegiant. I thought they had a new stadium being built. Oh. Uh, so it says, according to the, the best uh, best free service in the world, Wikipedia, it's just closed. It has not been torn down. I don't, since it was open in 2020, I don't think there's anything wrong with it structurally that would keep it from being reopened and used for something else. The The issue is the XFL would need to buy it, one. And I don't mean the, the Vipers would need to buy it. It would need to be the XFL or they'd have to come to an agreement with UNLV because it's all one entity right now, just right. different departments, if you will. Anyway, let's talk about the game a little bit. <laughs> uh can I just say, uh, D.C., as I just said with Seattle, they're kind of one-dimensional. They can't pass for shit. Correct. Because, especially in the rain, that's a phenomenal problem to have because you can only run the ball anyway. Uh, three of the top five rushers in the league are D.C. defenders. One of those is one of their quarterbacks. Uh, Derek King might very quickly rise up into those ranks because, holy cow, Jordan Tamu sucks at almost everything except for scrambling occasionally. I Dude, I don't I don't know what happened. He was one of the best in the league last time around. I know. I know, but he just something's like off and he is not hitting his throws. Like legitimately his throws look poor mechanically right now. I don't know what's exactly up with that. But the first half was all Jordan Tamu and DC couldn't score, couldn't move the ball. At the same time, though, even with them not being able to really move the ball, the Vipers felt kind of fluky. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, well, there yes. was a fumble inside the five that the Vipers got a touchdown off of, and they couldn't score other than that. Beautiful was... strip sack, by the way. Right. You do enjoy dudes getting stripped. God damn it, Doug. <laughs> and sacks. <laughs> Like there was a there was a couple of weird like tip ball interceptions right that I don't think the Vipers are really good enough to hang with the defenders normally. It was just some freak plays that Jordan Tamu is not good enough to make those fifty fifty balls come out okay, right? And when Derek King came in, this game changed completely. I understand. Derek King was not the stat leader in any category. He is 100% the offensive player of the game for this game. Everything changed when he came in at quarterback. Not kidding. The defense played better. The offensive line played better for Derek King. This was something else. I absolutely believe Derek King should be the starter next week. And wow, if they didn't put him in. I don't know how this game would have gone because even though it felt kind of fluky, the Vipers really couldn't do a whole lot either. 
just like a couple of weird special teams mishaps. There was a couple of weird turnovers at the right spot on the field, right? The Vipers could yeah. take advantage of. The Vipers couldn't do much. They, they couldn't really hang with the defenders' talent level. But it took Derek King coming in for that talent level to actually move themselves. So I think I think this is a pretty scary DC team. But again, they're pretty limited because they are so one-dimensional. I don't think Derek King can really throw that well either. In, but, in a developing league with quarterbacks that aren't really the greatest – I would rather have the problem of being a one-dimensional run team than being a one-dimensional right. pass team. Right. Me too. Me too, definitely. And we see it in the record. DC's 2-0 and oh and Seattle's 0-2. Yeah. Like, so. that's... <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, for the defensive player of the game, I went with Reggie Northrup. Uh, reason behind that, the dude's all over the field. He led the team in tackles, uh, got a, added a sack in there, just one sack for him this week. Uh, he's not carrying multiple, uh, so he's just average with the rest of us. Um, Mutated. I okay. I, I need to get into this now because we have the turn uh, the takeaways uh, on our stat line for the de- defensive players. The issue being. Yeah. We've already said it. Just about every team had at least one fumble this week. And right. going through the stats on the on the XFL, which you need to do ex- especially with defensive players, but the XFL tracked absolutely nothing in terms of seems like any defensive turnovers. I didn't see any interceptions well, out they, there. Actually, they did track interceptions. I didn't okay, see interceptions, but I did they, fumble recoveries. So that's not true either, because they track. They at least had it in the uh, in the Arlington Roughnecks game, as long as it was a defensive player. There were two uh, two fumbles on a kick that were not like that. Stat wasn't tracked at all, which is wrong. But they did at least in that instance track it. So if they, if he got forced to fumble or recovered a fumble on a defensive snap. It should have been tracked if it was on punt return or something. See, I I know what you're talking about. At the same time, I don't think it's being counted correctly still. I, you know, I'd fully believe that too because I'm looking through. Uh, I mean, they don't uh, even have fumble recovery in the defensive stats. They have forced fumbles, which yes, everybody in the league has a dash. I'm not, looking at it right now. Not, okay, you're looking at it online. You're looking at it on your computer. It is not that way on the app, and that's a problem. I completely agree. Well, the app's a whole separate issue, but why are you using the app anyway? We've established that it's trash. It's, so we... <laughs> I'm hoping it gets better, okay? Ease well, of use. It be better, okay? Yes, it there, needs to be better. You be better. What are you trying to say? Spit it out. There have been small improvements. Not that it's a fucking great thing at all, but there's having to be small improvements here and there. But there have been improvements made. Yeah, Reggie Northrup is not showing uh, any kind of turnovers. However, Jamal Brooks is showing a fumble recovery. Uh, And Davin Bellamy, a forced fumble uh, for the defenders in this game. So, yeah. Let's just... Face it, I think the Vipers are pretty bad, but also DC's pretty good. 
Did did Eric King throw the ball? Like I see the stats, it looks like he threw he threw the ball, right? He threw it enough. He threw it as infrequently as he possibly could, but he threw it a little bit. It was mostly handoffs and him there somehow I, he only has one rush. It didn't feel like that in the game. Like Dude, I actually right. do believe that stat looking at it. Like I Because I'm looking I'm looking at one. it right. I think I think we messed up. I'm looking at this slide and I think those are Abram Smith's rushing and receiving stats. Not Derek King's passing and rushing stats. It is. That's cool. Derek King has not shown up as having a single pass, but he had four rushes for 32 yards with a touchdown. All right, so disc- All right, disclaimer. Yeah, Doug Doug and I were building these slides out yesterday, and we had a debate over Abram Smith versus Derek King. Abram Smith was originally there. By the time I came back to check the the slide, the name in the picture had been updated, and I never verified the stats. I just went, yeah, he's got this, and moved on with my life. So I will take the fall on that one. Oh. Hey, Ben, remember when you said that these look almost too professional for us? There we go. We fixed it for you. Oh. Coming in with booty trash. It hurts so bad. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So anyway, the the XFL stat tracking is trash, not ours. Uh, Ours is apparently very much trash as well. Like, this is fine. I believe oh. the other stats, not Derek King's. Apparently, I do. I like I said, I'm taking the fall on that one because I went through and looked and was like, "Oh yeah, he, he did it. We're good." Oh man! <laughs> All right. So if we didn't really cover it completely, the Battle Hawks won twenty to eighteen against the Sea Dragons. It was a push on the over under at thirty eight, and see, and uh, St. Louis actually beat the spread too. They were plus four, so they ended up on the winning side there. Uh, and then D.C. against Vegas, D.C. won 18-6. to six. The under at 34.5 hit, and D.C. plus four uh, beats the spread and gets the W as well, clearly. So, now we're into the games that I watched. So, if you enjoyed, quick recaps. <laughs> Say goodbye. Sayonara. Good times. <laughs> I got all bad news for you. <laughs> uh, so, again, this you're watching San Antonio, live. the Rocks, versus the Orlando Cant Guardians. <laughs> this was... So, here's the thing. Right? When the announcers start the game talking about how the Guardians are going to have a two-quarterback system for the day, you kind of know what that means. Yep. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none, which is a stark uh, difference from what happened in the next in the later game of the evening. Uh, but we'll we'll get there, and I'll I'll say why these two were so different when we talk about uh, the battle for Texas later. So San Antonio would start off with the ball, and they're aided by a face mask and an encroachment uh, from Orlando. They would eventually get a touchdown from Jack Cohen to Dion Yeldon. And it, it looked easy. They had a good mix of run and pass and just marched down the field with some help from the Guardians uh, and penalties there, which is a theme for the Guardians in this game. I know uh, I hate having to praise Jack Cohn 
especially after all the comments I made last week. But I am. <laughs> I was watching this and laughing because I was like, he's the player of the game by far. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I am personally emotionally buoyed by the thought this is the Orlando Guardians that he was playing against. So it's okay because literally anyone could. Why does he look ass. like every middle-aged white guy ever, though? Because he is. Because he's, every the, he's a former guy. Notre Dame and Wisconsin quarterback. Like, like we talk about mid guys, like he is in every sense he of is, the word the definition of mid. He is king mid. <laughs> uh, and so he has a very nice. Average he does. Per attempt. He does. 6.9. It's beautiful. Uh, San Antonio would fail the two-point conversion. I have a note in here that I love the XFL kickoffs. And we saw two really good returns back-to-back. And this was a theme, not for this game, but the rest of the day as well. Just the kicking rules in general and how it kind of changed some stuff. I want to talk about a little bit more in depth uh, with the Renegades game especially. Uh, so hold, well, let's hold on to that thought. Orlando gets back and gets the ball back, and they, they look really good in scripted scenarios, especially early in the game, especially Paxton Lynch. But so as soon it's as not a coaching problem. That's what a, we're learning. It's a play calling it's, problem. Yes. Uh, as soon as they get behind the sticks, it's like they have no clue what to do. Uh, the line is just awful. They're holding to try and make up for it. It's it's not good. Uh they get a big pass. They get a few other things to go right for him. And Paxton Lynch is able to find Eli Rogers wide open in the end zone. I mean, times in this game was Paxton Lynch, Saxton Lynch. How many times was he sacked? I'm pull, let me pull that up. It was it was not as bad as last week. I can say that for sure. Sure didn't even chuckle. That was a bad one. I'll let you down. It's all good. Now you know how I feel 99% of the time. That's my barometer, though. You're really easy to make laugh, so it shouldn't be that hard for me. But sometimes it doesn't work out. It was not as bad as last week. So you're laughing uh, at that. Come on. And I'll, I'll mention, too, there were XFL chants going on during this uh, drive and after this Guardian score in the game in Orlando. So I know there's been a lot of detractors saying a lot of different things about the league. Uh but I think it's safe to say the people that enjoy this enjoy the shit out of it. This detractor only says negative things about the Orlando Can Guardians. <laughs> I think that's fair. Paxton Lynch was only sacked and twice. Jack <laughs> and Jack Cohn. Uh was only sacked twice for 12 yards in this one. That's, that's not bad. Good. No, not bad at all. Is uh, he 12 too? That's poetic. No, nah, he's number six in the XFL, which is sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, San Antonio gets the ball. They had a penalty, led to some long, uh, some long downs for them. They punt. They recovered a fumble at one point that would have put Orlando in amazing field position. And this is just, again, another three theme that's kind of going on through this game for the Guardians: missed opportunities. Right. So already a fumble that screwed them, and a face mask that helped San Antonio on the opening drive. Andrew Jamil is then targeted. Huh? I'm laughing at. Delonte Scott's picture. These are the official XFL roster pictures, by the way, folks. If you're watching this, his face looks so narrow. Dude looks like a bird. (laughs) Delonte Scott. Birdman. Yeah. 
dude's got a beak, man. That's his. That's not even a long nose joke. That's just like the shape of his face. <laughs> it is wow. Sorry, uh, Scott, you're you good. Pull my ass. You're good. Andrew Jamil is like <laughs> Andrew Jamil's targeted twice for Orlando. Uh, once he's overthrown the second time, he just ran the wrong route. Guardians once again not executing at all. This takes good. us to the end of the first quarter. San Antonio again does nothing. Punt. We have to have to punt. Orlando gets the ball back. Uh, gets a good run on third down to get the first down, but apparently there is a legal formation, so that comes back. Then there's offsetting pe- – or that was offsetting penalties, uh, and then there was a false start. I mean, there's just – nothing's going right for them. Of course they punt. Jack Cohn throws uh, – gets sacked, fumbles a snap. They have to punt. And then DeAndre Francois comes in, and this is where the two-quarterback system completely falls apart. When DeAndre Francois came in, they tried to run the exact same offense. Now, Paxton Lynch and DeAndre Francois have very similar skill sets. There's a height difference. Okay. Very similar skill sets, for sure. As compared to uh, whatever the fuck the other dude is. Who? The other quarterback for Orlando. I have no idea who that is, so it's not helpful. I don't remember who it is either. (laughs) It's how bad he is. Trashton Lynch and DeAndre Trashois are pretty dissimilar, in my opinion. That's your opinion. Isn't DeAndre Francois just really tall and lanky? No. Okay. That would be Paxton Lynch. Um, who are you even thinking of? I don't know. I could have sworn there was a Florida State quarterback that was tiny. Like, he, he looked tall, but he was all skin and bones. Now, keep I in mean, mind, I'm 5'6", so everybody looks tall. James Winston probably fits that profile. No, because he, he, he got injured against Bama. And I was like, he has no muscle on his leg. And that's like why Kenzie Milton? Kenzie Milton? It might no no. It was before that. It was like in the 2018 2019 time frame. It would have been know, whatever. Anyway, the only anyway. thing DeAndre Francois and Paxton Lynch are similar at is they both sucked ass in this particular game. <laughs> they also both attempt to play quarterback. Well, and then so here's the other like, thing. On top they, of the fact they're trying to have these two guys run the same shitty offense. There's a fucking mistake when they're calling the play in from the sideline with an audible fuck from the QB coach who's calling the plays on the headset. Paxton Lynch is getting interviewed on the sideline the same time this is going on. He sounds frustrated. He's pretty calm about it, but he like this happens and he's just kind of chuckling. It's like it is all around a gong show for the Guardians right now. And they 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 could not get out of their own way. This would be a theme throughout the whole game. Uh, my advice to Paxton Lynch is that it could be worse. You could have still been on the Denver Broncos last year. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Uh, so, Jack Cohn, he did not honestly look good in the first half. He gets bailed out a few times uh, by his tight end. 
Eloise uh, Oi. Oh, fuck, I'm not gonna. I'm fucking this up so bad. <laughs> Just Elise Mac. So, so bad. Tight end. You are, you are uh, so white. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, he's throwing high all game, but Mac's able to bail him out. And I think that kind of helped him settle in a little bit. Well, that uh, was his problem. He was high all game. Damn. God damn it. We are so far off the tracks right now. It's not even here's, funny. Here's the other thing. The incompletions didn't really matter because the Guardians keep shooting themselves in the foot. They hit Cone into the bench on the sideline at one point. Uh, and this would lead eventually to a touchdown. Cone finds Mac, gets TJ Vasher for the one-point conversion. Again, even though it's high, which this kind of made sense for a high pass uh, with where everybody was in the back of the end zone. Uh, then you come up to the next Guardians possession. Paxton Lynch is back in because we have to go back and forth. Offense cannot pick up a blitz. First down run with 12 seconds left leads to a three-yard loss. And the Guardians have to attempt a 53-yard field goal. And I'll be honest, if they don't take that loss and it's a 50 – or sorry, they attempt a 56-yarder and miss it. If it would have been a 53-yard field goal, I think they would have made it. And we would have been at 13-9 at half instead of 13-6 to San Antonio leading. I still think the most incredible part about this game is that the Guardians scored 12 points. Dude, it's... Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's let's go through this pretty quick. Guardians I get also, the opening kick. Before you get there, I also want to start calling Jack Cone ice cream. God damn it. Jack ice cream cone. That's my new name for him. I, I support this. going to be a thing. I'm going to... It's going to be a thing for me. You don't have to oh, approve. It's okay. I, I don't. I don't, but it is. <laughs> I, I it do. Is clever. I'll give you I, that. I do. So from Next now on the podcast, it's Jack Ice Cream Cone. Uh, the Guardians would get the opening kick, go three and out. They commit dumb offsides penalties to extend the drive for the Brahmas, which eventually leads to a touchdown from Cone, Cone to Jalen Tolliver, and then a one point conversion to Yeldon. Uh, twenty to six for San Antonio at this point. Another three and another three and out. Then a blocked punt. San Antonio recovers at the eight yard line of Orlando. Two plays to get a touchdown. Uh, it looked like Cone had connected. Uh, I can't believe I can't remember who it was with. It looked like he had connected for yet another passing touchdown, but it ends up being marked just half a yard short. So John Hillman does the work, punches it in. And they get another uh, one-point conversion on a John Hillman run. Uh, so we're sitting at 27-6. to six. Now, here's where things – this is this was the big difference in the game too, right? I talked about Orlando's been shooting themselves in the foot all day. San Antonio gave Orlando this drive, right? There's a holding on the kick return going Orlando's way. DeAndre Francois is back in. They finally get a call their way. Defensive pass interference, then a roughing the kicker on a punt. Then Jeez. Orlando would commit a snap infraction on themselves, so that's not good. But they get bailed out by San Antonio with another defensive pass interference. Uh, DeAndre Francois just forgot the clock existed uh, on third and goal, so that's the end of the quarter. To open up the fourth quarter, though, there is a DPI in the end zone. Jeez. 
San Antonio challenges. The flag is picked up. Fourth and goal. Which, can I say, I really enjoy the fact that you can challenge anything. Oh, yes. Yeah. Literally 100%. I think that's something we ought to have at every level of football. I don't care if you add a penalty on replay, take away a penalty on replay. doesn't matter to me. Get the call correct. So if you can challenge it and it needs to be overturned, let's make that possible. I, I also enjoy, and I know I said this last week, that every time there's a challenge, Dean Blandio comes on the right. on the TV and explains, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm seeing. Yep. And you hear the communication between him and the officials on the field. And we'll, you know, you, you mentioned it. Orlando would challenge later a no call for defensive pass interference. They don't get it, but at least they're able to challenge it and say, hey, take another look at that. Right. Uh, so San Antonio does win the defensive pass interference challenge, but then there's holding on fourth and goal would have been a touchdown, which is the only reason San Antonio accepts this penalty, right? Orlando goes for it again, defensive pass interference in the end zone. That time it stands. And then Francois would find Latimer for, Latimer for six with a two, failed two-point conversion. We're sitting at 27 to 12. This was the, this was the worst stretch by the Brahmas all game and the fact they were able to contain all of their mistakes basically to this drive i mean that's pretty cool on the ball that's right if you're gonna have a comedy of errors at least let it be on a yeah. singular drive don't don't make it all game and that's what that's what orlando <laughs> did uh i was gonna say the big difference of the game would have been ice cream because isn't he like six six god damn it so deandre francois stays in the game the uh, Guardians will get the ball back. He throws an interception. Brahmas have a turnover chain, by the way, which I love. Uh, and then Paxton Lynch came back in. And that's another issue with this two-quarterback system. None of these guys are allowed to make a mistake and try and come back from it. They're just getting the, they're just getting pulled. And that is the worst possible thing to do. You can't get into a rhythm. Your team doesn't know who to follow. Like, it's it's a bad situation. And they, they talked about how this was – a developmental league and that's cool and everything, but you're not developed. Like getting everybody a chance to play on the field is not the way to develop anybody. Uh, well, I mean, develop some bitter resentment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. San Antonio would add a field goal to make it a 30 to 12 final, uh, meaning that the over of 36 and a half hits and San Antonio would cover the three and a half point spread overall about this game. The field looked terrific, which was a big deal coming off of that uh, that Vipers game. Camping World Stadium, it's great to see it getting some use. For as as empty as the stadium looked, it sounded uh, sounded like a great atmosphere there. I hope they can get some more fans in the seats, although it's going to be tough if Orlando continues to struggle. I love that San Antonio uses yellow on the road. They're the only team without a white jersey. I know we mentioned that, and I had forgotten it until I saw the game. I was like, holy shit. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, the Guardians. Fascinating. That San Antonio is probably the most balanced team in this league right now. Mm-hmm. With They have the number one rusher. I, I've hit it a couple of times that DC has three of the top five. Well, the number one belongs to San Antonio, Gail Bellage. Mm-hmm. And Jack Cohn's playing very well. And as much as I can't stand the freak, he is – Looking pretty good so far, at least in this game. Not last game, because the last game he looked like dog shit. 
but everybody should look good against Orlando. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, in fairness, he was helped by a short field twice, or at least at least once. The next game, uh, a team was helped by a short field twice, and it almost changed the game. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, like I said, Guardians on just being completely undisciplined, uh, inability to pick up a blitz. I mean, there's there's so many things. This is not a good football team right now. Hopefully, they can get it turned around. Uh, as we've already touched on. Jack Cohn was our offensive player of the game, and Delonte Scott, defensive player of the game. We didn't go through Delonte Scott's stats. Uh, he had two solos, five assists for seven total tackles. He was just all over the field uh, in this one. And then Jack Cohn, yeah, three passing touchdowns and three rushes for 23 yards, 165 yards through the air. All around a great game, which is not something anybody really expected after what happened last week. Is That's this it? Is this going to play? Yep, here we go. A positive from tonight. Is there a positive that you pull from somebody who played well? Something you saw that you did like? No. <laughs> I love how it cuts right when he's about to give an explanation. He didn't. That's the best part. He literally did not give an explanation. That's it, all he said was no. And it might sound like we were shitting on Orlando a little bit. They No, they really were just that fucking bad. It was... Their head coach said so himself. That reminds me of the clip of the high school coach that they're like, hey, is there any po-? Again, same question. He's like, no, this team sucks. Like, it just goes off. Like, <laughs> Tug, well, you and I talked. So he just said no. You and I talked uh, a little bit before we got into this game. Uh, or as I was watching through this game, uh, this next one, Arlington versus Houston. And you said that this game didn't keep your attention. Uh, the second half was a little bit slower uh, than so, the first half. So keep in mind, that's really when I was able to turn it on. By the time I realized it was on, it was the second half. Yeah, and the beginning, the third quarter, pretty much a snoozer. Let's let's get into this game here. Uh, the Renegades would take the opening kickoff, uh, but the first play from scrimmage, Plitt is picked off by. Angie Harris. He's I mean, it off. yeah, it was just uh, right out the gate. You're like, oh, man, this is how this game's going to go for Arlington. It's just not going to be good. Uh, the Roughnecks would drive. Borgie, I, he's not one of the top three running backs in the league, but I would not be surprised to see him up in that realm at some point. One of the things I kind of noticed about uh, this game in particular because it's a developmental league, because these guys are trying to get a shot back at the NFL, these are very pass-heavy offenses for the most part, which is why we're seeing uh, D.C. struggle so immensely in the passing game and why we're seeing some issues. Uh... Ah, shit. We're seeing some issues for some other teams that just don't have the weapons at wide receiver. I think who is really – defense and therefore even yeah. they have the receivers and the quarterback honestly I think Ben Anushi's been pretty good but it's just you know different I think, issues for, for different teams and I think the worst thing is you know this first drive Borgie would come out they have to depend on Silver's arm he struggles the drive fizzles out fortunately they're in field goal range hit a 42 yarder to take a 3-0 lead uh Blocking the back on the return, 
that a one-yard run loss. They get a first, then back-to-back-to-back sacks and a punt for the Renegades. I mean, this team struggled to not play from behind the sticks in the first half of the game. Well, for most of it. Once again, we're looking at Wade Phillips and his his front seven. Yeah. I mean, this is this is something else, dude. And he, I, it makes Houston my favorite to win this league right now. Well, you they say that. Few weeks, you, but. you come in with solid coaching experience and somebody who is a defensive mastermind of our generation. Well, of the last generation. Of the last 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> the man is old. Right. I, I barely think that's an exaggeration. He might have been coaching for legitimately 60-something years. So, it's pretty wild. And also, he's really good at it. And I know Arlington got a lot of hype coming into the season. They have Bob Stoops. And again. Like good talent. But again, Bob Stoops. But, honestly, Houston, Houston kind of manhandled them, at least in the first quarter. Yes. And so here's here's where things get interesting. The punt turns into a massive return for, for Houston by Nick Holly. Plus you tack on a penalty and Houston starts at the five. Nick Silver or Brandon Silvers would then find Holly in the end zone on the first play from scrimmage for six, a two point conversion to John Trey Kirkland, and Houston's up eleven to nothing before you can even blink. I'm also fairly certain I heard the PA guy say drill, baby, drill when the Roughneck scored, which is just I approve. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Touchdown for the Riggers. <sighs> Renegades start with a holding, ends in a punt. Once again, stuck behind the sticks there. And then there's a little bit of a QB change for the Roughnecks. Now, Brandon Silvers, we've mentioned, he is not the guy that you want to have to rely on. But they go to Cole McDonald, who plays a completely. A no, this is the dude that had dreads at Hawaii. And obviously, a very different style of quarterback, very different offense that he ran and runs compared to Brandon Silvers. So I, even, comes, I even like Cole McDonald, but it just he reminds me of the other Cole quarterback from Hawaii. Who's no longer with us, and it makes me sad every time. So, which is why he grew the dreads out, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but McDonald looked great in all the option runs, and even the two passes that he had. The incom- the first incompletion, I think, was his fault. The second one was not. The second one we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but he, there's some people that are saying the Renegades should look, or the Roughnecks rather, should look to Cole McDonald to be their starter versus Brandon Silvers. Even though, if you're looking at it live or on YouTube, Brandon Silvers is our player of the game. We'll talk a little bit more Which about that later as well. I absolutely despise the fact that we have four quarterbacks as our offensive players of the game. It is also definitely true this week. Yes. Uh, so Silvers, he comes back in, two overthrows and then a punt, almost goes out of bounds, which is a penalty in the XFL, and again, more of these uh, kicking rules, and this is going to be kind of an overall thing I want to talk about at the end here as well. Arlington would challenge if the kick was out of bounds because the ball was down by a player who didn't reestablish himself in bounds. They failed. The call stands. The ball was down where it, where it hit. Uh, with no timeouts left, 
there's two minutes remaining in the first quarter. Because they lost the challenge, they lost the timeout. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You have no timeouts left in the first quarter. Uh, Keith Ford almost taken down in the backfield, rolls over the defense, gets back up and goes for three yards instead of a one-yard loss. And a face mask makes a first down an even bigger gain. Arlington is absolutely driving to end the first quarter. A big pass down the field. Looks like his heel was barely out of bounds. Review comes from the booth, which I didn't know was a thing. Uh, it wasn't. Call stands. Uh, and then yeah, play is... Dean Blandino has some power. Yeah. it's. I was like, this is crazy. And that actually might have been... Might have been an incompletion. He might have actually been out of bounds. Doesn't matter. Uh, Plitt is nearly picked off on a tip drill play and then a punt. Isaiah Likely, I was wrong about uh, Nick Holley on the first one. Isaiah Likely had the first, the big return the first time. I should have written that down. Intercepted. He had, he had the big return on the first punt. This time he fumbles. He's stripped by the wide receiver, Lujan Winningham. And Plitt, the Renegades get great field position at the Roughnecks 23. Plitt runs for a first on a busted play and then would find Winningham for the touchdown. And what do you know? After a failed two-point conversion, it's 11-6 to Houston. Houston then I goes like three and think, out. I like to think that a busted play means that the defense all just busted in their pants all at once and couldn't make a play. God damn it. I'm I'm confused. <laughs> Isaiah oh, confused Lickle, because Isaiah likely is a rookie tight end for the Ravens. Did I just write the wrong name down? Probably. It wouldn't surprise me. I was like, Isaiah likely is on my my dynasty team. Why are we talking about him? <laughs> That's why you didn't hear my joke. Yeah, no, I was it would have made you laugh. I'm sitting here scrolling through the app, and there is a dude on Houston. I don't know what his first name is because the XFL doesn't do first names on the app at all. Uh, it's w- w- I'm using the app. It, it's W Likely, and he doesn't have a picture like we were talking about earlier. W Likely. What a great William name. Likely. W Likely. He, he, no, is... it, it's he, Will Likely. He will likely do something else. No. He will likely do something awesome or something awful. <laughs> but he's a defensive back. Sure. I I don't know. That's I sorry. It Isaiah likely threw me off. I'm sorry. Uh so we'll likely you know, he had the fumble. Anyway, we're sitting at eleven to six. Houston would go three and out and then three and out again for the Renegades, but guess who was back for the punt return? Well, likely, guess what happened? Well, John Winningham stripped him again, and this time the ball's at the Houston 40. He will likely fumble. Plitt would eventually find Sal Canella, the tight end, for six, and then a two-point conversion from Plitt to Vaughn's. We're sitting 14-11 Arlington. Plitt the defenders with that pass. This was was a game that was looking like it was going to be all roughnecks to start. Uh, Houston then, had the ball again. The second quarter, the jig was up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> News was out. Finally <laughs> found me. 
The Renegades I'm had to that every week, okay? <laughs> it's going to happen. So here's the thing. Silvers is nearly picked off as we head into the two-minute warning. And then coming out of the two-minute warning, he gets annihilated, but gets a huge completion to Kirkland. The problem is, on the very next play, Houston would fumble again. A completed pass from Silvers to, uh, there it is, Deontay Burnett. (laughs) He fumbles. Arlington gets the ball back, but they have no timeouts and can't capitalize on it. A 55-yard field goal attempt ends up about five yards short. So we're going 14-11 to Arlington at the half. If they had one timeout, they at least get in field goal range. If they have two timeouts, they might get another touchdown out of this. Horrible, horrible timeout management by Bob Stoops and the Arlington Renegades in the first half there. And then, what's the... Making myself laugh. This is really dumb. What's the one thing you can't do in any level of football on a kickoff? Fumble. As the kicking team. Well, out of bounds. Recover it in the fumble. (laughs) So what does Arlington do? Of course, they kick it off out of bounds to start the half, which in the XFL means that Houston's going to take over at the Arlington 45. They then go three and out. Arlington has a massive run on the ensuing drive, but it gets called back for holding, so they end up three and out. Houston has a new returner for the punt this time. They don't fumble. And then, uh, then Houston gets back to doing what they do best. Winning brands on my dawn till I silver. What? I I'm not even asking. Ow. Uh that QB sneak that everybody's <laughs> talking about how the NFL's gonna make it illegal. That was used for a first down here. Cole McDonald has a couple of great runs, and then Silvers would eventually come back in and find Cedric Burke for six. Uh, One-point conversions failed. This was McDonald at quarterback again, I believe, on a option play. 17-14 to 14 Houston. There's another penalty on the kickoff as well for the ball not going, uh, getting to the 20-yard line, which means Arlington would start at the Houston 45. These kicking rules are vast and confusing. There's something. But they make the game more interesting because they actually make, they actually want to see players return the ball. Uh, Plitt would wind up to throw the ball and is sacked on the second play from scrimmage. Houston ball. But it goes three and out, followed by, and, uh, yeah, three and out. It's just flat. He was taking a sack. Right. We get a couple of three and outs here, and then we end the third quarter with Arlington driving. Arlington looks like they're going to get something going here. They convert a third and one, but then on the very next play, they have a too many men on the field, and then get, counting Plitt is hard. Gets, yeah, Plitt gets picked off again on a pass that goes through the hands of his receiver, Sean Davis, for the uh, Roughnecks coming away with the ball here. Servers and McDonald kind of split time on this next drive, uh, but Houston would challenge a defense, a no call defensive holding. I believe they were looking for illegal contact, with the, but the ball was already in the air. Uh, this is the one where I was talking about McDonald. This was not his fault that it was an incompletion here. Uh, what's weird is that Silvers would then come back in and throw the ball and get picked off. Very similar contact. Flag is thrown this time. 
and it goes the rough next way. So we saw two very similar plays. One where it goes say, in Silver's through an interception, and then it was a penalty. So, yeah, uh, it was it was very similar contact with the receiver with the ball in the air that hadn't been called, had been challenged, and still not called. And then you had this happen on the next play, and Arlington can't challenge to get it overturned. Houston's, of course, ecstatic. Uh, Silver's would thread the needle over the middle to Ben Putnam, and then with McDonald back in, they run a few read options. And Borgi eventually gets the touchdown on a read option play. And then with a failed one-point conversion, we're looking at our final score of 23-14. to 14. Uh, Nothing else really huge coming in here. Arlington did do a better job of managing their timeouts in this half. Uh, with the ball, the Renegades uh, going into the two-minute warning key. Uh, Arlington calls a timeout before the two-minute warning and then has two left after the two-minute warning. Unfortunately, they're unable to stop the run, uh, and Arlington would eventually, or Houston would eventually get the first down on a third and one, and then from there on out, you know, it's victory formation. Kneel it out. Houston wins this one. I don't understand what's going on with Tadeku. I don't know why this stadium is so empty. It was one of the fuller stadiums the last time around. You would think if there was going to be a game that was going to get butts in seats, it would be this one. Maybe right. the game against San Antonio will have a little bit better attendance. I hope. I we'll just have to wait and see, man. Like this is this is not looking good for the Houston faithful right now. Uh, as far as the kicking goes, it's interesting to me how this is going to change. How this changes how coverage teams act, right? They're willing to let the ball just kind of go there, even if it's going back the opposite way. Uh, as the return team, some of these guys are willing to just let it keep rolling towards them if it's got even a slight spin towards going out of bounds. But at the same time, if you're on coverage, you're like, oh, shit, we can't let it go out of bounds. We have to stop it versus maybe seeing if it goes a couple more yards. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, these are, these are you know, 56, 54, 55, you know, if they're trying to make the, the NFL roster, these are, these are some of the yeah. last guys that are going to be making the team, and it's going to be in a special team's capacity. So I'm curious to see how with these different rules, how that's potentially going to affect any of these guys that might get a shot at the next level. Who well, I'm, I'm interested to see if the NFL adopts any of these rules. Like you were saying, you like the kickoff rule. I do too. I, I, think, I think the only thing that's probably too radical for the NFL, which I say that, but they want more scoring. They've wanted more scoring this whole time. Uh, I think the uh, the distance and where you take the ball, if there's a kick infraction, being at the opponent's 45 might be a little yeah. too much for them. I would say maybe your own 35. Be more that, like, well, yeah. right now the, it's the standard the standard out of bounds kick spot, right? Right. It, right. Yeah, it's kick spot, or I there's a caveat with it, like it can't be beyond a certain point. I don't know if it's kick spot or the 40. I'm not sure. Zebra. Well, that's why you guys have me on here, right? No, definitely not. If you were a ref before we started the show, I wouldn't have let you on the show. (laughs) You're grandfathered in. Don't get it twisted. Good. Uh, I still add my zebra opinions. The Houston two-quarterback system actually worked, and Silver's looked great under pressure. Ironically enough, in a clean pocket, he was mediocre at best. 
McDonald honestly didn't look bad dropping back and passing, although his strength is in the read option and running game. And like I said earlier, his misses on in the passing game were not entirely his fault. Arlington, as I mentioned, was playing behind the sticks way too much. And I think it's pretty clear that Houston's strength is in their run game and their defense. Their passing game is there, and it's effective because it has to be and because they're forcing it to be, not because it is on its own. So I, this is kind of what I was talking about with it being a developmental league. It's kind of a shame because it's just – this is just tough, right? Yeah. Uh, going to our players of the game, obviously Brandon Silvers again, like we talked about. He lost yards on every single run he had. However, through the air, 14 of 28 for 173 yards, 6.2 average with two touchdowns. And then defensive player of the game, John Daka, two solos, one assisted. His two solo tackles were sacks, which is impressive because I only have one. He was also the guy on the force fumble uh, that we talked about earlier as well. So if you were curious for the betting odds, the under of 39 hits, and Houston covers the four-and-a-half-point spread in that 23-14 to 14 victory. Guys, Thank it's – For the record. Say what? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, that kind of takes us to a good, bad, and ugly for the week. The bad – whoa, whoa. whoa. I have taken it, and I have renamed this segment for us here. It's the XFL Week 2 bug. It's not good, oh, bad, God. ugly now. It's bad, ugly, good. We end with the good notes, guys. That's actually a pretty good one. Uh, I like I think, it. Thank you. That's why I thought you put it in there for me. I was like, yeah, I actually agree with everything that's in here. <laughs> no, I, I, I did. These were my takes, and I'm glad you agree. Um, bad is Orlando. Like, there's just nothing else to say with that. Facts. Um, Vegas and is, lines in general. Yeah. Vegas's high school slash rodeo stadium, that's another issue. Um, eh, it, it's, a, it's more of an ugly it, than a bad. It looked bad. It did, didn't play too bad. Honestly. Well, ugly, and we've mentioned it many, many, many times. Today, ugly is the app. I'm sorry. I like to use my phone. It's right. way more convenient than my laptop. But well, the app is damn near useless. You're just wrong. It's all right. And the the biggest problem I have is there's there's a little game, uh, an XFL pick. I mean, you can they have a bunch of different things on there. One of the picks this week was, uh, you know, will uh, will there be over or under one and a half wins for Texas teams? Which of course there's going to be one. So they, this is the second time they've done it where it's been, hey, we're gonna word this in a way that makes it more interesting that you have to think about. Do you think this team is going to win? Basically, I think last week uh, it was the uh, it was an over under age of the winning coach for the uh, Arlington Vegas game. Right. Because Wade Phillips is the oldest coach and I believe the Vipers have the youngest coach in the league. So they went, all right, is the age going to be over or under and then one year above the age of the Vegas coach? Right. This time it was basically, hey, do you think San Antonio is going to win? I'm like, yeah, of course, they're going to fucking win this game. So it's an easy one. But I got an email saying that I got zero points. I was like, what the fuck? I know I filled this out. I went back and looked at it today, and it did actually update correctly. I got a second email saying, you know, my correct scores, which I'm not doing great in this, by the way. But still, I was like, I know what I put for this. I know I at least got one fucking right. Like, give me that. All right. Uh, all right. Hold on. New, new plan. 
let's add another segment where we each put our weekly scores in on the XFL Pick'em each week. I mean, that would require me to start doing the XFL Pick'em each week. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot to ask right now. <laughs> you're, you're wanting me to put in some effort. This is yes. brutal. Discrimination. Discrimination <laughs> against me and my kind. Look, we only want you to put effort in because you're wearing the chicken nugget today. Hey, I will trade out the chicken nugget in a heartbeat if it means I don't have to do any work. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> no, that, that sounds sounds like a decent idea. Do I have to get the app to do that, though, is the only question? You might but be I able to do it online. I think it has to be done on the app, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And then, and then to get us back to the week two bug... Um, sorry, Bug. My thought with that, by the way, is you are our Spring League guy. And I could make it make your name. So that's 100% what I did. Uh, but my good for the week is that overall the teams and the games are getting better. Uh, they're getting more entertaining as we go. Aside from Orlando, they're still lost in the sauce. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense why it's so bad. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I well, really from, don't. From what you said, what it sounds like is the coach, the coaching staff is really good at prepping a script, but they can't call plays on the fly, which is what you need to do in at any level of football. Like, even in youth, yeah, sure, I can script out the first five plays, but I need to be ready to go and pick something after that. And, and I don't know why in week two there's guys still running incorrect routes. Like, this is... This was this was a total failure all the way up and down. Definitely, some real, real issues, some real obvious reasons why these guys ain't playing in the NFL right now. But, yeah, yeah, very, very true. Doug, why don't you get us our power rankings before we get into the games for next week, or your yeah. power rankings, I should say. The the Doug Aroni power rank Aronis. I actually have a top 11, not a top 8, even though there are 8 teams. This will become more clear as we get into it. Um, I think the only fair way is to start at the bottom and then go back up to the top and start working down because we all know who the bottom's going to be. At number 11 out of 8 is the Orlando Guardians. (laughs) That is... That is... That is known yep. at this point. I think we're all in agreement. Uh, number one, I have Houston. I think Houston is actually really solid. I think they're good in a lot of different things, and especially that front seven. And seeing how bad these offensive lines are, being great at the front seven is going to matter a ton. It already has. They're 2-0, and and they've looked great doing it. So I have Houston number one. So and I before think – Go ahead, Bug. I think being able to come back from the struggles they had to end out the first half and finish the game as convincingly as they did. They pitched a shutout in the second half. Yeah, to be able to do that right. speaks volumes to how good this team actually Against, is as well. I think Arlington was the betting favorite to win the league this year, too, at, at the beginning of the year. So, I, well, it was either them or uh, them or Seattle, I believe. So that's, that's pretty dang impressive. Number two, I have... 
Are you going to say something, Tug? I, I was. I was going to say I had looked it up. Wade Phillips has been coaching defensive line at the college level or higher since 1973. So we are in his 50th season of coaching. Okay. All right. Not as bad as I thought. But, you know, he's been around a while. He is uh, only 75. So if he was coaching at the age of five, I would have been impressed. I would have believed it, though, because he's yeah, way fair. Number two, I have the D.C. defenders. I just think being able to run is much better than being able to throw. And if you're going to be one-dimensional, I mean, you said this, Buck, actually earlier. If you're going to be one-dimensional, being a running team is the way to do it right now. Um, Control the clock. Yeah. And this defense is really good in a couple of key areas. I think Reggie Northrop might be the defensive player of the year so far. I mean, it's only been two weeks, but still. And I, yeah, I think I think DC has a real shot to go far here. Uh, just, I think they're they're really good all around, yeah. except for throwing the ball, which is a, a fine omission in my book right now. No comments. Number three is St. Louis for me. Uh, I know all the comebacks are kind of scary, and you have to question how long they'll be able to keep this up. I think right now it's kind of fair. Uh, they're two and zero. They've looked very good doing it. So I, I think AJ McCarron has the potential to be the best quarterback in this league by the end of the year. I uh, know the stats don't back it up right now, but I think AJ McCarron definitely has the ability to do that. And awesome brawl is just fun, Mister. Uh, <laughs> Just, just fun. Number and he's four, playing for his dad, which is the best thing ever. Right, right. That is that is part of the reason why I'm so excited to go to a game in St. Louis. Like, I can't, I can't wait. Fair. Number four, I have Seattle. And I know they're 0-2. And I have them ahead of some teams with some wins. But I think they are one of the most talented rosters in this league. Well, and like I said earlier, they they are better than their record shows. I you just gave us your top four. Their first two games were against DC and St. Louis. Right. That that's just a tough draw. Right, and they lost by what a combined four points, five yeah. points. So I think it's fair, and also they really do have some of the best players in this entire league. I mean, Josh Gordon. There's a reason he's getting double covered, and yep. for the other guys to be able to get as open as they are. It's just, it's very impressive, first of all. And Ben DiNucci is good enough to hit him. So, Seattle is good in a couple areas. Just kind of the opposite of D.C., where they're good at the wrong thing right now. Yep. Uh, number five, I have Arlington, who is still a good team. But they did kind of get slapped around at Houston here. And I have to, have to take that into consideration. Uh, I think there's plenty of potential. I kind of see it. They're all right. I mean, they, they have the talent to make something happen. They just haven't proven it yet. They 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 weren't able to put a full game together. That's what that's what did them in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, I'm going to put San Antonio. I know they just won big but I do think they're still behind Arlington. And San Antonio 
it has some good things going for them. Ice cream. They got Kalen Balage. They're they're good at a couple of things here, which can be dangerous. At the same time, it's like you did that against the Guardians. So let's yeah, let's let's, let's see let's it again. Careful. Uh, number seven. Then I have Vegas. I think they have some real issues. I think that offense is real sketch, legitimately sketch. But the defense is good enough to keep them around, and if they can make enough plays, I mean they just played DC. I have as number two, so I, I think Vegas will be okay. I think they're going to be pretty mid, but they should be competitive. Uh, and then I have the Rock at number seven or number eight. I mean. Uh, the Rock definitely deserves to be up there. And then number nine, I have Dwayne Johnson uh, really pulling this league together. And then, again, number 11 is the Orlando Cancard. You skipped number 10. Yes. That's fine. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I have nine, and then, yeah, again, number 11. Wait a minute. <laughs> number 10 is the not- USFL. No, the number 10 could be the USFL. Number 10 is ESPN Plus. Yes. Oh, God. Plus, and they're still better than the Orlando Can Guardians. You know, I thought I'd put that in. I, I do want to talk about this. I thought I'd put that in the ugly. Apparently, I forgot. Um, it's really cool that you get to stream the replays. Like, on ESPN Plus, on demand, you can just go put the game on. It's really going to help us actually watch most of these games. But they're not even editing out the commercials. Like, I showed you guys a picture this week, and it literally brings up the ESPN Plus standby. There's a there's a commercial break, and you're like, guys, this isn't that hard. Yep. It apparently is very difficult, actually. Oh. I guess. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. <laughs> can, can I say I, I dislike just... the mouse and then leave I, it at that? I want to be able to play it at like two times speed. Yes. I want features. Give me some features. I will say the, I watch it on my computer. The 10 second skip ahead is perfect. It helps during the game. Uh, But man, during, during commercials, I'm just spamming that thing. And it's slowing, it's slowing my computer down. I got to where I was just clicking the cert, the seek bar. And I got to where I was pretty good at gauging how far along the seek bar I would need to go or to skip the entire commercial break. I actually, like, nailed it a couple of times there. Felt very proud of myself. I, I almost want to go back and see if I can watch a game. Literally, just pick a sport, any game from January or December of last year and see if there's fucking commercials in that, too, because that's going to drive me insane. Oh, if, they're, right. if they're that lazy, which I think they are, that's just that's ridiculous. If- if we wouldn't get in trouble for it, I would 100% download the episodes on my computer, cut out the commercials myself, and put it on our YouTube. I mean, it would work until we got shut down. Yeah, it's not worth getting shut down, though. We can make a burner. Delete this episode of the podcast. They'll never know. <laughs> we just no, edit no, no, this no. out. It's fine. I was just going to say, we'll just edit this out. It's okay. <laughs> well, ESPN doesn't know how that works, so we'll get away yeah, with it we'll easy. Be, yeah. <laughs> we'll just show them how easy it is to edit out. <laughs> what games we got next week, guys? Oh, buddy. So, 
Yeah, we got some good ones coming up next week. There's XFL only scheduling one, is horrible. There's only yeah. one game on Saturday, and it is Seattle versus the Vegas Vipers. Maybe Seattle will get their first win because the Vipers are pretty trash. Pretty, pretty mid uh, at best and trash at worst. I would, I, I'm gonna, if I were betting, which I don't partake in the devil's lettuce like that. Uh, which is what I'm calling gambling now, apparently. Didn't what does we to. have to do with this? I'm confused. I don't know. Josh Gordon's on the team. Uh, that's what <laughs> <laughs> I would put money on Seattle if I were putting money on this. And this that's game, of course, will be on ESPN+, Plus, but also on FX if you're watching on cable. And then on Sunday, we have three games. So it's going to be much like a normal NFL Sunday. We got St. Louis at D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern followed by Orlando at Arlington at 4 p.m. Eastern, and then finishing the night with that San Antonio at Houston game. The one we talked about maybe will be the savior for Houston attendance in the nightcap, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. If you're an F1 fan and then you're going to watch foot and then you want to watch football all day, your day's set. Oh, yeah. like, you don't have to do anything. Just stay Bahrain, tuned. Bahrain, the best XFL game of the weekend. The worst XFL game of the weekend because Orlando's in it, and then a pretty good one after that. <laughs> but, but Ben, the real question is, are you watching NASCAR or the XFL this weekend? Uh, I'm working this weekend, so, <laughs> so neither. <laughs> so I'll watch as much the XFL as I can at work. Bro. Otherwise, it's gonna I was going to say, are you on the desk? The Bahrain Grand Prix. I, I don't know. Before. I've been working so long. <laughs> I might just re- I might request it. I must be like, hey guys, like let me work let me work the desk on Sunday. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's using the nugget. My I think that's how we're gonna roll. All right, boys. It's uh it's been a long one. It's been fun. Sorry it was a day late. But sometimes it really do be like that. Sometimes it were it sometimes were sometimes it do. It doobie doobie do. Oh God! <laughs> I didn't so even shout like out some links for us. Oh, I was hoping you guys would push that to somebody else, but I got it. I hate <laughs> you guys. All right, guys, wherever you, wherever you go. Wow. All right. Bye, Doug. All right, guys, wherever you go online, you can pretty much think BDT football and find us. Uh, Patreon.com slash BT football, Twitter.com slash BT football, Facebook.com slash BT football, Instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, BDT football.com, mailbox at BDT football.com, YouTube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches, and our Discord link will be in the description below. You're not going to read that, dude? No. Lowercase R, capital K, lowercase S, capital P, capital T, lowercase J. Uh, yeah. Okay, w. All right, Ben, what do you have for us? Yeah. Did you know elephants are capable of swimming 20 miles a day? Are they swimming or are they just kind of walking across the bottom of the... I, I know, let's drop one in the middle of the ocean and find there out. There is water in the world that is deeper than elephants are tall. That in is... Africa, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. There's. Do you know how water works? No. Have you have you ever met the water cycle? 
No, uh, it's, never. it's this really cool thing. Bro, anyway, I've been to Africa. That shit doesn't happen there. You've been to a bad part of Africa. You blessed the rains down in Africa. Have, you were there for so long. All right, let's get out of here, boys. Wait, wait, I have a question, legitimate question. If an elephant can swim that well, then why did the elephant sit on the marshmallow to avoid falling in hot chocolate? It doesn't make sense to me. What? It's my dad's favorite joke of all time. Legitimately, this is his favorite joke of all time. Why did the elephant sit on the marshmallow? To avoid falling in the hot chocolate? Yeah. Ugh. I feel like I'm missing context. You're not. That's the worst part. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have in the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win.